Hello and welcome to the Federal Publication Seminars FPS Podcast Series. This is podcast number 17. We're going to discuss the recent executive order signed by President Biden over the last week. My name is Todd Hatherly and I'm the Director of Programming for Federal Publication Seminars. We're a leader in federal government contract training and professional development for the last 60 years. Federal Publications trains thousands of businesses, federal agencies, and individuals on legal and regulatory compliance and accounting nuances found in the federal acquisition regulations through nationwide classroom, online, and in-house sessions. These podcasts are a small sampling of important you as a contracting professional can expect from attending the FBS program. Whether in person or online or live and on demand, you cannot find another source with the breadth and depth of experience, knowledge, and content anywhere. So please visit us at fedpubseminars.com for more information. Today's program joining me is David Black and Eric Crucius, both partners at Holland and Knight. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thanks, Todd. Yep. Uh, glad to be here. So, Eric, give us a rundown of this uh, new executive order that's uh, impacting the cybersecurity and has a lot of people uh, talking about. Gosh, well, there's a lot to talk about, Todd. <laughs> I think the word that we used in our blog describing it was sweeping. And I think that's there's not much better word to describe it than that because it touches so many areas of government contracting and it requires so many agencies to do so many things in a short amount of time. I think what we'll see from a very high level is a, a bunch of new regulations come out of this. Contractors will have to comply with concerning reporting of cybersecurity incidents, how, you know, what kind of software they can use and, and how they treat that software. And I know David's gonna have more details on a couple of those things in a few minutes, but it's pretty comprehensive. I think somebody counted quite a few dozen directives that agencies will have to create new regulations or require certain things of contractors. There's a lot packed in one executive order. I don't know, David, David, if you have any high-level overview that you want to give also. Yeah, obviously, this is in response uh, to the cyber breach discovered last year, referred to as solar winds. Pretty stunning access and exposure of a lot of sensitive information. Uh, this executive work uh, was in the works for a while. But the colonial pipeline incident seemed to prompt the White House to kind of get it, get it out the door. So it's going to kick off a process, probably easily a year, give or take, before these things really get set in stone. And a lot of collaboration among agencies, the director of NIST uh, playing a key role. So this is the beginning. This is kind of the, the an opening push. This is the federal government trying to sort of patch up some, some gaping holes it's discovered that it wasn't previously covering. And yes, and, and to your point, David, I heard that the White House kind of had a draft of this or a pretty close draft ready to go since the beginning of April, and they were contemplating releasing it, but then they decided to kind of look at it again. They were starting to go through that process, which may have delayed this till June, but I think the Colonial Pipeline incident, they decided just to go forward with what they had, and, and this is the result. Instead of waiting longer and maybe making additional edits, let's not let the, or the perfect be the enemy of the good, so to speak. Let's just release this and uh, and get this process started because there's a lot of different things with long, somewhat long lead times as there should be because of all the different things that the agencies have have to do. One thing is OMB is going to recommend and the FAR Council will probably adopt, is directed to adopt possible language in contracts, uh, new clauses. And these clauses would require contractors to do certain things. One would be to kind of collect and preserve data. DHS is supposed to actually within 14 days of this order, describe what kind of logs 
contractors who run federal systems should keep. So we'll see what if they do hit that deadline. We're less than a week away from it at this point, actually, as the date of this taping anyway. And then also sharing data. That's always been a sensitive topic for contractors, uh, sharing data with the government, because if you're a contractor and you have an optional sharing program, there's not a lot of incentive to do that. Contractors who share and then maybe get the get an investigation as a result, the, the executive who suggests sharing may be at the wrong end of a pink slip after that, because contractors don't want to open themselves up to uh, potential liability or potential contract actions because they've shared data. So hopefully they can come out with some kind of regulations that encourages sharing and kind of gives a safe zone for contractors to enable them to share without the potential repercussions of what that sharing could result in. And then collaboration with federal cybersecurity and investigative agencies. So there'll possibly be contract language where uh, contractors will have to essentially cooperate with breach investigations. This is similar to what we see in the DFARS right now, the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement which requires contractors to make a disclosure, a voluntary or involuntary disclosure to DOD about a breach and then cooperate in any investigation that the DOD runs that enables DOD to kind of get to the bottom of what happened uh, with respect to a breach. We could see regulations kind of in those areas, collecting, preserving data, sharing that data with the government, collaborating with uh, investigative services, and then sharing any kind of cyber threat information across industry. So we'll have to see. David, any, any other thoughts in those areas? There's two main parts that really affect contractors. One is this removing barriers to sharing threat information. And that's the part we're talking about now. We're going to get into uh, some reforms of the software supply chain in a, a bit. On top of what Eric is talking about, there, there's going to be a, an establishment of a new cyber safety review board that will have a purview over civilian agencies. And this is really about centralizing the investigations of cyber incidents, getting them outside the agencies. You know, right now it's sort of balkanized, it's decentralized, uh, the right hand, left hand doesn't quite know what's what's happening, what's going on. There's no one uh, whose job it is in the government across the civilian agencies, at least, to really keep track of this stuff and to, and to draw any larger, see any larger patterns and conclusions and make sure responses are uniform. And Cyber Safety Review Board will, will have that job what, what, once it's up and running. And so the, uh, the EO is the process of getting it there and making sure agencies comply and, and work with it uh, once, once it's started. I think that's a really good point. I think it, it's kind of endemic of a larger problem where we have different requirements for different agencies, different sharing techniques through different agencies or sharing requirements. A contractor may have a contract with one agency and requires X, Y, and Z. And then with another agency, it requires one, two, three, and faced with the same kind of security breach, the response, at least the required response by the agency is going to be completely different. And it's not efficient for the government to do that. It doesn't help cybersecurity when you have different requirements across different agencies because it's more difficult for contractors to comply. So one, one thing that this executive order will hopefully do is kind of smooth out those differences between the agencies and allow a consistent regu regulatory regime that is the best in class instead of having some that are more stringent than others. And that will make response to breaches more efficient and it'll make compliance uh, easier and more attainable by contractors, especially small businesses who have a lot of new cybersecurity requirements, especially if they're in the DOD space and very especially with CMMC coming down the pike, which is going to be a required certification that they get. Just want to mention a couple more things before I pass it off to David to talk about a couple of other things. But 
Uh, one thing is this prompt reporting that we just spoke about a few minutes ago. One of the reporting requirements may be if there's a breach uh, involving a software product that the contractor is using or providing to the agencies. And that breach may not be necessarily connected based on how the regulations are written with the contractor's work on a contract. So for instance, if a contractor is using a popular word processing software program and learns from the manufacturer that there was some kind of breach unrelated to the contractor, that contractor may have to report that to the agency. Remains to be seen if that's how it winds up being written. You know, that's that's a possibility based on the language of the executive order. And then um, DHS going to recommend to the FAR Council kind of contract language about reporting cyber incidents in general. And DHS will recommend the nature of the incidents that should be reported, the type of information that's reported, you know, how are we going to protect civil liberties and privacy, always a yin and yang between cybersecurity and privacy. Uh, what kind of time periods um, are necessary for the reporting? Maybe as quick as three days, which is the current DFARS requirement. Any kind of reporting connected with national security systems and the type of contractors and service providers that are going to be covered by this. So a lot remains to be seen in this area. It'll be interesting to see what the regulatory outcome is, because I think this executive order could go either way, where it impacts a large swath of contractors across the board or a smaller slice of them along the way. And David, I'll pass it up to you to just talk about what else you saw in this executive order. Sure. So that's the part about uh, removing barriers to sharing threat information. There's another section that's going to impact contractors about uh, it's entitled enhancing uh, the software supply chain security. And again, you can kind of see this being a, a response to solar winds. The, the first part you had the, the bad actors using a solar winds patch that's this little tiny, comparatively tiny piece of code used to manage users on a large system. And it, was, it got upgraded and it was snuck into various civilian agencies and nobody caught it and there was no centralized mechanism. Now, this is this other part is, a, is sort of a change in policy in terms of what the software, the, the standards development, software development standards that the government will procure in the future. Um, they're they're going to adopt, agencies will adopt zero trust architecture. And, and like the name sort of implies, that is to look at software that sort of deals with access and, and deals with uh, system privileges. That's sort of, you know, behind the scenes, really important software to make enterprise systems work, to make sure that that is up to snuff in terms of how it's developed and how it's upgraded policy is that commercial software lacks transparency. There isn't a sufficient focus on the ability of software to, to resist attack uh, and adequate controls to prevent tampering by malicious actors. Um, and that's the conclusion the government reached uh, about what happened with the solar winds. And so there, one of the big things is, well, what is the definition of critical software? I'm, I'm going to touch on some of these development standards, but what software that applies to is going to be the big question that gets answered over the next year as through the rulemaking. But in general, it's going to be software that performs functions critical to trust, such as afford, affording or requiring elevated system privileges or direct access to networking and computing resources. So you can see that being kind of broad. There's a lot of software and systems today that performs those kinds of trust functions. Um, and so that's what we're really talking about here. And this is going to be a rip and replace. The software doesn't meet the new standards. Agencies are going to have to purge that software from existing contracts. They're going to be prevented from buying that software under new contracts, and they're going to have to replace the software. 
And so this is this is the eye-opening thing. If you're selling commercial software to the federal government, you want to pay attention to these uh, software development standards. And there's going to be regulations, and the, the details are in the executive order. We don't have time to go through all of them here. But just know there's going to be security required in the in the software development environments that previously required. Perhaps it was a best practice, but perhaps it's not a practice that everyone is following uh, to, again, to prevent bad actors from being able to penetrate and access and, and put their own malicious code in this kind of critical software and the patches. On top of that, and again, same with the upgrades and patching process, uh, there's going to be enhanced standards need to be met. And contractors are going to have to, upon request, provide artifacts. The proof is in the pudding. They're going to have to you know, maintain the records, their software development records, and upon request, produce evidence that they are conforming to these new processes, that they're executing these new required tools. So there's going to be much more rigorous control over development of software code and components and controls on internal and, and third-party software components, things like that. And it's going to be this testing of conformity where there's going to be some legal risk. So, so this is going to require folks to manage their software development. You know, there may be issues with do you, do you have the record keeping if you're relying on software developed before these standards went into effect? How do you how will you deal with that? Um, because this will be a, a go no go decision. The rule, the executive order is clear. The FAR Council will, will be issuing new provisions that require compliance with these new standards, require that attestation. There's going to be a certification requirement. Uh, there's going to be a purging of non-compliant software from existing contracts. And then same with uh, revising uh, IDIQ and federal supply schedules so that only compliant software is on them. So for the commercial software industry, this is a big, big thing to watch because it's going to affect how and what you can sell to the to federal agencies. Eric, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, and I think there'll be an opportunity to kind of to look at as these regulations are developed. It's not that everyone's going to be hit with them at a given time. Usually the process is there are proposed regulations that come out and the community has an opportunity to provide comments to those proposed regulations. So if you're in the software business, I would pay close attention to the Federal Register and look for these proposed regulations and provide commentary if you think that the regulations will negatively impact you know, how the business works and or find a uh, an organization to submit comments on your behalf. But it's important to kind of look at these uh, regulations while they're being formed because you do have an opportunity to comment and shape them. Exactly right. And the EO talks about proposed regulations. I don't think we're going to see any interim final regulations where things go into effect without an opportunity to comment. But, you know, on the software thing, it, it really is a big shift in the government's reliance on the commercial marketplace for innovation. In the 50s and 60s, uh, the government was specifying a lot of software, was, was having it developed especially for the government. In the 80s and 90s, there was a shift away from that. Silicon Valley and big tech were really on the cutting edge, and the federal government needed to kind of let go of uh, its you know, sense of control and requirement setting and, and just try to look at the way the marketplace was, was, was providing solutions. And now the pendulum's swinging back. And the federal government saying, you know what, we can't trust the commercial marketplace entirely, that we're going to get into how this commercial item software is developed, and we're going to impose some standards if you want to play in the government market now. And so there'll be some barriers to entry and barriers to stay in the market, because this is the government telling the commercial marketplace, you've been kind of a backdoor, you're too risky for us to not to just buy a software without 
some software development standards that we need to impose on you. So interesting change in policy. Again, it'll be unfolding over the next year, year or more. Uh, and something to pay attention to. It'll be interesting, David, to see how this kind of coincides with the development of GSA and OMB's federal marketplace, where they're trying to develop that kind of Amazon-like experience. And there are fewer regulations that are being put on that marketplace because it's under the micro-purchase threshold. So I'd be curious to see if these kind of regulations as they're developed kind of lead their way into that marketplace also. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what they do, obviously. But, you know, given the seriousness and the, the sweeping nature of this and the, the threat to national security, I, I, I'm, I'm just speculating at this point, but I don't I see it's unlikely they would have any exemptions for, for purchases below certain levels because that would be too much of a, of a you know a loophole. You know, this is going to be a, a big change for software companies. Well, Eric and David, uh, I appreciate your time. We're out of time now, so I will wrap this up for this podcast. I'm sure you have uh, more information on your website, and I, I think I heard, Eric, you mentioned that you did a blog. That's correct. Yeah, David and I wrote a blog on this topic, and it's available on Holland the Knights Government Contracts and Cybersecurity uh, blogs. Excellent. As always, if you have topics you want to cover in a podcast or send me a note, a note at todd at fedpubseminars.com. And until next time, stay safe, keep your distance, and read the FAR.